This is Rugger Matrix America. Hello, I'm your host, Jero Sen, joined in a moment by Bruce McLean in New York and Alex Goff in Seattle. Another great show. Our special guest this week is Rob Holder from Spearhead Rugby Academy. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Rugger Matrix America. One of my favourite shows because, not because I'm on it, because this fellow's on it, Bruce McLean. Good afternoon, Bronk. Actually, good evening, maybe even good night, because it is late here on the east coast of the United States. When you're podcasting, you're usually... it's any time. Yes, yes, yes. When it's a podcast, a 24-hour business, as you know better than anybody. <laughs> this is going to be a great show today. It's got a lot of interesting stuff. What do you think, Alex Goff? Welcome from Seattle. I'm doing great, and I think the show is going to be great. I'm very excited about our guests and excited about some of the things we're going to uh, check in on and, and talk about. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And we've got a good show to follow up on too because uh, I thought last week's was a cracker and I think over the next few days there'll be more comments to be had on RugbyMag.com, I'd say, Alex, uh, about our special guests and uh, with Ray and James on the program last week. Yeah, I think there will be. I think uh, uh, it was great to hear what Ray had to say. Uh, you know, he, uh, I, he, he was somewhat careful i suppose in, in diplomatic in things he had to say he was he was he was somewhat diplomatic but at the same time uh, he he did make it plain about uh, some of his feelings and which which is a good way to do it because you don't want to you know alienate people i guess and just you know but still he made it plain about his feelings and and i was really excited also to hear james aldridge and his comments because uh he's he's uh, an honest athlete he he doesn't just sugarcoat his own performance and i, I was appreciative of of the way he uh, approached assessing his own abilities. Yeah, really good guests and uh, guest, and uh, he was able to put up with Bruce McLean in New York. <laughs> so he is a pretty good fellow, isn't he, Bruce? Yeah, he's a really nice kid, and um, and our next guest is actually putting up with him right now. That's right. And our next guest is uh, has has been a guest on the show a few times before. Rob Holder, former Eagle manager. Uh, won a Super League title as a player with the Denver Barbarians in 1999. Coached Air Force to a collegiate national championship in 2003. Coached East Palo Alto to a Division II national championship. And was the director of rugby at Stanford when the Stanford women won their first national championship. So a man who's basically won at all levels and had success at all levels and, and probably the most diversified level of success in American rugby. Welcome to the show, Rob Holder. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's good to be here. Well, Rob, uh, we spoke about James uh, Aldridge uh, appearing on the show last week. Bruce has sent him to the Spearhead Rugby Academy, and you've already got him in tow. Yes, uh, he arrived uh, last week with uh, Miles Craigwell and um, and Blaze uh, Garrison Blaze, and uh, they've they've been hard at work. Uh, they they've been training hard, and um, we're getting to know each other a bit, and getting to know the other guys in the academy, and we're off to a good start. 
Rob, what is a typical day or week in the academy? And and also, you don't only have these three guys. You have quite a bit of you have quite a few good athletes there. Um, you had said to me you have quite a number of of potential, if not almost definite, eagles that are in a very small group of people right now. Yeah, um, you know we've got uh, a group of kids that all have a pretty good background. Um, the majority of them are 18 or 19 years old, a couple of 20-year-olds on, on in the uh, inaugural class, and then joined, of course, by these crossover athletes that just came out of sevens camp. But um, they, uh, you know, I mean, they're among the, the elite players in their age groups at the different places where they came from. Um, we've got uh, Pacific Coast, uh, you know, high school Grizzlies. We've got uh, all Minnesota players. We've got all Texas players. So um, they're a pretty good group. And um, and basically they're just here uh, to continue their education and to train on the rugby skills. And um, a typical week is is pretty heavy duty. In fact, I just uh, earlier this afternoon I, I put out our training plan for this upcoming week, and you know without going into great detail, just on um, and I'm happy to answer more questions about it. We just we train at least twice a day um, in the mornings and in the evenings. Uh, we 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 uh, flex the schedule a bit based on academic issues. Um, but every day we're able to get a morning session in, um, usually uh, one to two hours, um, uh, skill session primarily. And then the evenings they get team or um, expanded uh, um, skills, skill set groups um, based on where they're at with their clubs. So we train them every morning and they train with their clubs in the evenings um, and they train as a group on other evenings. Um, and it's just a mix that's personalized based on what they're trying to achieve, short-term, medium-term, long-term. Rob, is there a, a common theme in terms of uh, what, what some of these athletes are looking for? I mean, do, you, do you ask them when they come in, what do you want to get out of this? And um, is, is, there, is there something that they are, they're all saying, or is it really differing from, uh, from one player to another? I think, um, you know, I think they just want to be in an environment where they can be the best they can be. Um, and that's, is, you know, and answer your question, that's very different for each individual, but it's also um, a reoccurring theme. When we talk about it as a group, when we talk about it individually, um, you know, someone telling me they want to be the best they can be is very different for a prop. Uh, what it takes to be the best prop possible than it is for, uh, you know, a, a winger or a center. Um, but the goal is the same in both cases, if that makes sense. Rob, we spoke last week and Bruce uh, made a point that uh, we are lamenting the amount of games that don't exist for players who can train and train and train. Rob, what, what do you think is the solution to that? Are you working towards some way around it? at the academy? Well, I, I don't know that I'd say there's a substitute for games, but um, I think that um, putting someone in an environment where they can just get um, a lot of skill repetitions, 
hopefully will help them raise their skill levels. Um, and then trying to put them in game type environments will help them use those skills under pressure. So I, I still think we've got to find a way to deal with getting these guys more game time. Um, but I think there's ways to replicate that game time um, and, and, and also um, just improve their skills. I, you know, as an example, um, you know, like many of these kids that I have, so we've got 13 in the academy right now. And of that 13, I'd say nine of them came to me having absolutely no idea how to kick a ball. And, you know, and most of them, have, and many of them have been playing rugby for a long period of time, but they've never had been in that scenario. And I think that's a skill that everybody should have. So we, um, we don't necessarily, they're still not using, some of them still aren't using that skill in games um, on their, in their week, on the weekends with their clubs, but we can put them in an environment where we can first teach them how to do it, teach them a couple of different ways to kick a ball. And then we we have games that we've learned over the years or that we just make up where they practice under pressure, catching, kicking, um, forceback type games. And so I think that's one way you can deal with it. And then you add the pressure and increase the pressure so that as their skills improve, then you make them use those skills under pressure, if that makes sense. Rob, can you tell us who's at the camp? Like There, there are some pretty cool names at the camp outside uh outside of Gerson and and Miles and James I you know Millie Poole's little brothers there I mean you have you have real players there this isn't you know I think a lot of people look at it and say oh yeah well we're, we're throwing uh we, we we threw a few people into a situation that was a joke when in fact we threw people who are they're very equal to who you have there's no you know the guys we sent you were no better than the guys you have yeah, they're a different group. Um, we've got, uh, well, I can just, I can go through the list. We've got um, Connor McGill uh, is a sophomore at the University of Minnesota. Um, he's one of our residential players. Uh, he's played uh, Midwest Selects as a freshman in the, in the um, Collegiate All-Stars. He also played for the Minnesota All-Star team for a couple of years. I think he's um, likely to be you know, at least receive consideration uh, for potentially the under 20s. Uh, you know, very good player, about six foot six, 230 pound, uh, plays eight for his club, but I, I project him more of a six or, a, or four. Um, then we've got a couple of kids from California. Um, Vake Samp is a 18 uh, year old kid who uh, played for the Grizzly um, under 17 team last year that went to Hawaii and really tore it up and one was one of their better players uh tony smith and uh clive jones and i and uh, had him in frank merrill's uh, camp uh that he he helped set up through the pacific coast uh, a couple of years out in uh, quincy california um he's really honest about six foot three four six foot three six four 18 year old flanker very skillful uh understands the game very well um uh, we've got uh, Casey Cronk, who's played uh, representative rugby all through um, his days at uh, University of Minnesota and Mountain View High School. Um, he's currently uh, fly half at um, at Metropolis um, and also plays a bit of uh, inside center. Um, again, a very skillful player looking to raise his game to the next level. Um, Finau Pulu, 
uh, is a uh, is Mille's little brother. He's uh, he played for Golden Gate last year. Uh, he's a young center, fullback. Um, you know, and and you know he's a kid who has a ton of rugby talent, but uh, you know he's. Uh, you know, language is even an issue for him. He's got a, he's in English, he's a second language classes in the junior college here, and he's working along because that's, that's part of not only improving his life, but improving his game as well as communication skills. Um, uh, you know, a couple other kids, uh, Ofa Yangi is in Northern California, recently turned 18 year old, um, uh, really talented hooker, slack, could even play a bit of scrum half. Um, and and then we have uh, Tanner uh, Jass, who was an All Minnesota player, like you know, arguably one of the best players in the state as a number eight um, second row, who came out two years ago, spent a year in college, and just wanted to really uh, make a commitment to his rugby career. Um, big, you know, big strong guy, uh, hard runner, really committed to the program. Um, Mitchell Malloy is uh, another um, Minnesota uh, player, uh, represented Minnesota at both the college all-star level and the um, high school all-star level. A really talented scrum half, who also plays a bit of 10, um, and is playing club rugby um, at the, in the Division II club, the Eastside Banshees. So I've probably forgotten a couple. Oh, Sam um, Vailala uh, is kind of... He's an academy member, but he's also our housemaster and sort of runs the, our dormitory facility. Um, he's a kid that I've known for probably 11 or 12 years. I've coached not only Sam, but three of his brothers. He's in our national championship East Palo Alto team. And he's 23, so he's a bit on the older edge. Uh, but he's not only here improving his game, he's playing um, flanker for Metropolis, and, but he's also helping me run things um, and, and keep track of all, especially the younger boys. Um, and then the other one I missed is Victor Zapata, who is a um, prop from Texas, played in the All-Texas uh, Selects that won the Colorado um, tournament last year out in uh, Aurora, Colorado. And he's out of San Antonio, Texas, and plays both loose head and tight head prop. Really, really talented young man and um, um, out on his own for the first time. It's been great seeing him uh, mature and, and moving along just on and off the rugby field. Rob, yeah, a lot of people don't know that you are a crossover athlete. You were a wrestler at uh, at West Point, and you came into rugby later in life, and, and and you came into rugby as a center, and and wound up going to Eagle Camp as a prop, and so you you kind of have an interesting background, and I and I think that people look at you as a prop or look at you as a manager and kind of forget that you have been one of our country's most successful coaches. But you also do have a sevens component to the camp, and, and, and you have a, a person who played sevens for Samoa who's working with you. And can you talk about that a little bit? And can you talk about how you – what differentiates your camp based on your experience as a crossover athlete? Um, well, you know, it, it seems like a long time ago now when I was crossing over, but um, – you know, there's a lot. First of all, um, I think one of the most important things is uh, really help the crossover athlete appreciate the intricacies of the game and the uniquenesses of our of our game of rugby, and um, and help them fit in comfortably where uh, and, and a, through a gradual process. Uh, 
you know, it took me a while to find my place in rugby and it took me, um, you know, to even work my way into to representative levels to find out where some of my deficiencies were uh, and, and, and eventually just change positions and get to places where I was more comfortable. So I think that's part of it is to really uh, help crossover athlete develop an, uh, a true admiration for the sport, a true uh, perspective of the history of the sport, um, a, a great respect for the game. Um, and, and I think that when you do skills training, you understand quickly how deficient you are as a crossover athlete in rugby skills. And it gives you a greater respect and admiration for those people who have put the work in and it just helps you uh, set the plate. Um, and I guess the other part of the question was who we have helping out. Um, Sam Robinson uh, played sevens for Samoa. He's sort of a mentor here for us um, and one of the club site coaches here in the area and also runs a sevens program in the summer. He's a great resource and a, and a great friend. He's become a great friend. Um, also, uh, the coaches at uh, Metropolis Rugby Club have been very, very helpful at all different levels. Um, and then we have uh, resources um, through what I've called our board of advisors, which include, um, you know, international level coaches and uh, great um, coaches from around the world who I've just been become great friends with and have been a big part of my life. And I'm constantly talking to them and getting ideas from Tony Smith, Clive Jones from Wales, uh, Scott Johnson, uh, us from, you know, obviously the Australian U.S., former USA coach who's now with Ospreys. We talk uh, at least monthly, if not more. Um, and then Alan Solomon's down in South Africa, who's doing great stuff down there with the Spears and has a, has a great love for American rugby. So those are just some of the names that I can, I can talk to at any time, pick up the phone, drop an email, and they're always there to help out. Uh, give me advice, give me encouragement um, when things might not be going so well, and just a place to go to to get a different perspective on how we're trying to uh, help these guys improve. Well, Rob, when you started this this uh, Spearhead Rugby Academy, uh, first of all, obviously you you laid the groundwork. You laid the groundwork with your relationships with some of these people all over the world, but it's still a bit of a leap of faith to jump out there and say, Hey, I want to do this. You know, you, you got that building and you, you know, you got this facility started. Um, was there, a, were there moments when you were thinking, you know, what have I done? You know, how crazy am I? And also where, where was the moment? I mean, you obviously got a good response. Did you get a good response early or, or, or how, how did these guys find, come to your doorstep? Well, um, it's, it, I guess, uh, um, the only way I can really answer your question is that it's been a day by day process. Um, yeah, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that almost every day I think about quitting <laughs> and I have my doubts and then almost every day is the, you know, has times when it's the best day of my life as professional life for sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, you use the term leap of faith, um, and um, I take that very seriously. Um, and I think that um, walking by faith is often means that you feel like you're not driving the car, but you're along for the ride. And that's the way it feels almost every day. Um, but at the same time, you know, the response has been great. Um, 
And, and it's almost difficult to explain how it's been great. I mean, I, I, I remember one day having, um, you know, what I thought were 15 to 20 committed guys and the next day having, you know, having six to 10 of them drop off and then having new ones pop in now and then. It's just relationships over the years. Um, people find out what we're doing and they say, I want to send a kid or I want to send my kid or, you know, I think this would be a good fit. And then we just eventually work through the process. I mean, the perfect example of um, this walk of faith is is this last um, week, this last calendar week is, you know, Bruce saying, you know, I, you know, call me up and send a couple, couple guys that I think would be great there. And and me, my first thought, I didn't say it to Bruce. My first thought was we we have a hard enough time dealing with the people we already have. How can we take three more? And I just sort of I thought that in my head and paused a minute and said, "Hey, if they need to be here, we'll get them here." You know. And and next thing we know, um, really twenty four to forty eight hours later, they're they're flying in and um, they've stayed at my house for a while now. We've rearranged things at the at the um, Spearhead facility and they're moving in there tomorrow. Um, and they've, they're getting along great with the guys. It's been a nice gradual process and I've gotten to know them better since they've been at the house. They've gotten to know my wife, my kids. Um, and now we're ready to put them in and, and really get them going full speed ahead. So I don't know if that's a very succinct answer to your question, but it really is. Uh, I don't feel like I'm driving the bus. I feel like I'm along for the ride. And, and that's, you know, by my definition, I guess, of faith, that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, you take you t- you take your faith very seriously, and and people might find it amusing that you have such a good relationship with Bruce, because Bruce has to you know watch his language when he's around you just to be a little bit more respectful, <laughs> right, Bruce? Bruce Bruce doesn't watch his language around Rob, and <laughs> sometimes and he's very patient. And, uh, and, and also, Rob and I don't, Rob and I while we agree on most things, we don't agree on everything, but he has a funny way of dealing with it. It's really strange. Like most people, just get in an argument with you. Rob just doesn't say anything and hopes that I change the subject. <laughs> and I just click because he's not answering. <laughs> so it's actually pretty funny. When he doesn't do me, I know right away because he's not answering me at all. But uh, um, when I called Rob, I was like, bro, I have no money. So I said, I'm going to find a way to pay for this, but I can't pay for it now. And I, so, and I think that this is kind of what's happening. Like you know, I, I made I made a, a, a comment post on the on the blog underneath the article that I did that you know if Rob Holder had two hundred thousand dollars, he could do more with it in the next year than USA Rugby's done with the twenty four million they've had in the last three, because he would provide a setup for the people, and he can get a facility that there would be. About 40, 40 um, in-room, 40 live-in candidates plus a barracks facility that can host teams of 30 to 40, kitchen and everything, and, and, and three full fields where teams can come and train. And if they needed someone to – like say, for instance, the under-20s or the high school Americans, they came to train. They need someone to train against. He's got the academy team. The, hey, a flanker got hurt. Hey, just give me a flanker for a couple of days. We just need to fill in while this guy gets better. Things like that, that if he had a couple hundred grand, he, he would be able to do this. And as I said, like, he took a leap of faith. Like, we, we discussed this about how the possibility of, of really, really working with elite-level athletes. But, 
you know, the fact is, as I said, I haven't paid Rob. Nickel won. And I, and I will. It's just a matter of I got to find the money. And, and at this current moment, I didn't have it. But we also thought it was very important that we had to do this. So he's taken leaps of faith on, on people that, you know, and, 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 and given the names that he's mentioned and where they're from, something's telling me that, that there hasn't been a whole lot of money coming in on that end either. So I think that we really got to look at a way of it's a, it's a missing link in development. It's a missing link in high performance. And I think that somewhere online either we got to, you know, try to raise some money for it or, you know, we got to kind of pressure USA Rugby into saying, hey, you need to invest in this. It needs to be an investment. And, I, and, I, and that's the way I feel about it. And, and I know that, uh, you know, I'm coming on saying, but I, I do think that it needs to be an investment. Bruce, we Bruce, for Bruce two, from, yes. I'm looking at it from my point of view and knowing what Rob is like from our interactions on this show, I'm saying it's a no-brainer. American rugby absolutely should be behind, should be behind the Spearhead Academy. I mean, Bronk, it, 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 there's, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you've seen, like, you've seen my club play rugby, uh, you know, on the, on the internet. Correct. I mean, and, and, you've seen, and you've seen us play, Alex, and you would say sure. it's a pretty good standard of rugby. It's, it's not, we are incapable of developing elite athletes to play rugby properly at the next level. We, my team's incapable of it. That means that, 99% of the clubs in the country are incapable of it. There's a few, a few colleges, you know, maybe three, maybe five, and, and, and life is maybe a men's club, and that's it. You know, and to some extent, Golden Gate, but that's it. So if we don't get behind this, we're never going to attract anyone into this game like every, you know, we, we've all had the conversation. As I said in that article, we've all had the conversation. If only we had. Well, you know what? We do have them. Old Blue has a prop um, named Van Housen who played for Cal Berkeley as a starting linebacker. We used to have Andy Ryland who was a starting linebacker at Penn State. There have been plenty of people who have been on the elite level athlete who have been involved in rugby and have not translated through because they haven't been given full development. Even Richard Tarditz, who was the sack leader at the University of Georgia, who was a Frenchman and, and, and a tremendous player, played for the Eagles. He did not reach his potential. He played for life as well. Did not reach his potential as a rugby player because he was not given an intense development. Mike Ciano, who was the leading um, one of the leading uh, receivers at Syracuse, again, a tremendous but all very good players – that relied heavily on athleticism. And the Ciano family is a rugby family, so it's not like he didn't have that. But to not have the daily training, to not have the, the intense, someone, someone who's qualified and capable looking out for you. Now, I've spoken for a damn long time, and I don't think anyone's listening to listen to me. So let's get back to Rob. And I, I mean, you could say it. I mean, Rob, like I said, I mean, we're sitting there. I've outsourced it to you, but I haven't paid my bill yet. <laughs> uh, you're not going to send someone knocking are you rob <laughs> <laughs> not yet not yet it's um, actually coming up here on november 6th we're going to see each other at the army air force game rob rob why are you doing it why are you going to 
great personal lengths here. Um, you have everyone around the uh, the table for, for dinner in the evenings. I mean, you really have opened up your heart, your family, uh, your life to this game. Why are you doing it? Well, um, I guess uh, easiest way to explain it, um, without uh, getting um, too uh, spiritual, uh, but but for me, I, I learned uh, a long time ago that um, the only way that that you can really contribute to someone is in love, and that my the best way that I can share love is through my love of rugby, and to share it with other people who have the same love. And so it's really, I, I feel like it's a command. Um, the Bible says, "Love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself." And this is just my way of following that command. Um, and I feel like, you know, um, my my. I guess mission is just take a, a step of faith, and then um, if if I obey that command, then uh, the good things will happen. So that's that's no other way. Um, I, I have to say that I wouldn't be able to do it without a, a working wife who is a very successful career woman, um, which makes it possible for me to take a leap of faith like this, and, and her family to do the same, um, and a family who's very supportive and uh, loves the game and and loves seeing their dad uh, involved in it. So I mean, those are kind of the reasons behind it. Um, but it really is truly uh, the most rewarding thing I've done. I've coached and uh, been involved in so many different areas, and, and this is by far the best thing that's ever happened. And it's only been going on for a couple months now, so about two and a half. Rob, what are some of the things that you've learned so far in terms of putting together this, this, uh, this academy and, uh, and what each of these players needs? Because they, they all, like you said, they all have separate needs. Good question, Alex. I would say first and foremost, um, the, our biggest challenge is outside of our academy training sessions. Um, we, I didn't, I did not really take into account how difficult it is for a group of new players to integrate into an existing club that's been around for a long time. And um, right now, our guys are are playing uh, in two different clubs on four different teams really there's a uh, one one of the one club I, I mentioned earlier Sam Robinson coached the East side Banshees and they have both a, a division two and a division two B side and then the uh, Metropolis has division one or division three and so um, I really underestimated how difficult it is for guys to come um, across you know halfway across the country and integrate into a club that's been around for a long time and guys have been playing together for a long time and um, it's been a challenge on both ends, both for our players um, and for the club that's gaining us. And, and I would say that's probably been challenge number one. The second is to find a good mix in our daily training programs uh, so that everybody gets um, the skills that they need. You know, and so when you have you know, centers and fly halves training daily with hookers and props. Um, you know, you know, there's always a worry that uh, um, that one or the other is going to miss out on some of their specialist training programs. So it's how you split up, for instance, um, lifting the line out with um, you know backline play, for example. And, that, and that's been the other big challenge. But that's not nearly as major as as integrating players into clubs and. Um, we have to find a way. The clubs have been fantastic, uh, but it's been a challenge. I would just, I, I guess I would 
I would give you an example. Um, you know, I, I don't make it to every club training session, um, but I try to get out there and I, and I have a good relationship with the coaches. And so they give me updates virtually after every session. Um, I got a call one day, um, and this just gives you an example of, the, of what I'm talking about here. I got a call one day, one of my guys had, missed, had, had gone to training. He'd been on the, uh, in the transportation. There's uh, a number of guys who are going to the same training session. He'd gone to training. Um, he'd been out in the warm-up. That, that club plays touch for a period of time when, as everyone's arriving, and, they, and then they go through the warm-up. And then he sort of snuck off um, to, the, to the edge and climbed back in the car and hid and didn't train. Um, and so I got a call from the coach that night on, the way, on his way home from practice because I just want to let you know what happened today. You know, I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it. Not sure what was going on. And Anyway, so we, we actually did it. We, um, it was actually two players that this happened, and, but one player in particular, his, his uh, explanation was very interesting and very enlightening to me. Um, at first, he said, I don't like the way the coach coaches, and I don't like the way he does his training sessions, and I, just, I didn't want to put up with it today. And I was like, wow, that's, that's not only disrespectful, that's um, you know, very immature. Um, you know, I wasn't sure how to respond to it, and so we, we kind of kicked it around the group a little bit, and then we said, we, we finally came to this conclusion that we didn't really believe that was his reason, because what just wasn't, it wasn't the way he had acted up to that point, and so we pressed him a bit. He says, come on now, why did you really go in the car? And he said, finally, you know, and, and I, I'll keep him anonymous because he'd, he'd be somewhat embarrassed, but he's almost choking back a few tears. He says, you know, I was so homesick that day, I thought that maybe if I skipped practice, you'd kick me out of here and send me home. <laughs> and, and it was just like, wow, where did that come from? But that's, that's what we're dealing with, you know? I mean, this 17, 18-year-old kids who get homesick, and they, you know, that might be the way that particular day they re respond to it. So every day is a new challenge, and it's just, again, finding ways to, to deal with everything from homesickness to injuries to, you know, integrating into a club. So they they've got to make that that leap of faith as well, and they've got to to and and I'm sure somebody says what you know what have I done and I and Rob I remember uh, you know coaching a player who received a was lucky enough to receive a scholarship to play rugby it doesn't happen too often, and I said to her and I said to her uh, parents uh, that's great that's wonderful but remember you've just made a a four year commitment to go play rugby, uh, and, and you better be uh, you know be prepared to make that commitment if you don't make that don't want commitment that's fine go do something else and sometimes people make commitments and then they you know they doubt themselves a little bit whether they have that that crisis for, for a moment and hopefully absolutely absolutely yeah. so rob uh, stay with us as we um move on in other matters and gentlemen on twitter there's been a lot of noise uh, around the world about cal and and the move to move rugby from a varsity sport to club and uh, I must admit, I've uh, helped in retweeting to try and uh, keep the, the code where it should be. And, uh, and Bruce, it's uh, actually caused a bit of a stir around the world, and it's quite uh, surprising. Uh, why, why is this move taking place? I, I, think, I think a lot a lot of it has to do with politics and, uh, and money. And But at the end of the day, I don't... I don't really believe there's going to be any change as far as, as far as Cal rugby goes. And I guess in, 
in one of Alex's articles, I, I guess somebody, the president or chancellor or somebody said that, um, you know, Jack Clark's only got a, a contract up till June or whatever it is. And, but so what? I mean, Jack Clark is Cal rugby and, you know, he could, I'm sure he could do what every other coach does and just say, okay, you want to try that act? I'll just do it like everyone else does. I'll just do it for nothing. And I'm going to keep winning and I'm going to shove it right down your throat. Cause you know, he does have different, uh, you know, I mean, he, he, you know, we, we have to disclose this, Alex. He, he is a yeah, paid yeah. consultant. He is a paid consultant at, at the uh, collegiate sevens. He's a paid yep. consultant from USA sevens. And he has other things going with, uh, with the, with the rugby mag, um, brand, I think it's AMI. I don't remember. I don't, is it, is that what it's called? Alex AMI? A, a, it's American not called AIL. 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 Uh, American. International uh, Lifestyles is the. Uh, so, and, and it's just, so I think that he is capable of saying, but you know, varsity is, as far as it, 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 it's kind of a stab to rugby, but it, it, it's something that you almost would have expected with the title nine. I mean, you know, and I, and I'm certainly no, um, I'm certainly no bleeding heart, uh, liberal by, by any stretch of the imagination. Actually, I'm, I'm not a liberal at all. Uh, and, and, and title nine to me is, is ridiculous. It, you know, if it was about expansion, it should be about expansion. It's not, shouldn't be about contraction, but the, you know, the, the budget issues and all that stuff. But the fact is Cal rugby players, you know, for the most part, conduct themselves reasonably well. They get good grades, they graduate and they, and, 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 and there's no reason that that's going to, that's going to stop. And if Jack says, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to leave or the university says I want to fire him. I think that, you know, the best thing to do is just say, all right, screw it. Try to fire me. I'm going to coach well, anyway. I, uh, well, you know, Bruce, I, I think what, what Jack and, and, and we'd like to separate Cal rugby and Jack Clark to a certain extent, but it's very, very difficult. And, and what Jack said on a, on a broadcast uh, interview was that the getting that letter C mattered and it, and many conversations i've had with him it's it he's he's proud of that he's proud of the letter that the the players get and it really is a matter of prestige and and you know maybe i'm bringing in other aspects of my life here um my, my son's been studying uh the iliad so we've been learning an awful lot about uh the concepts of ancient greek honor Time being one of them and Time is a sort of thing where you are bestowed upon you you win a battle you're given the spoils of war you you have a, a, a material prestige and people if and, and not only do you have prestige you have prestige and other people don't have it that's the way it's 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 taken and then when when uh, for example when Achilles has his his spoils of war which turned out to turns out to be a woman but when his, Achilles has his spoils of war taken away from him he loses his teammate he loses his honor his prestige and and it and it makes him very angry he ends up quitting the war and wanting and and praying for the Greeks to lose um here you have Jack Clark uh 
stretching the parallel a little bit, certainly the Achilles of uh, college rugby coach in the United States. And you have taken away the thing that matters most to him, I think. More than, more than championships, more than money, I think being Cal Varsity Rugby matters to him. And, and by extension, it, it matters to the circle around him. And, and because of that, I think he's going to fight for it. He's not going to say, well, I'll just keep going and winning. I mean, they would. They would do just fine. And, 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 and I don't see a, a change. I don't see Cal Rugby imploding in itself just because they're club. But I, I, I think they've invited a massive fight because they've taken away something that really matters to that program and to their head coach which is the, the prestige, the honor, if you will, of being a varsity program. He's he definitely going to fight. I mean, there's no and, – and, and I would if I were him. I would definitely – I would definitely – I would definitely fight. I mean, what's – you know, it's almost like, hey, baby, I got nothing else to lose. You know, you, right, you they've taken it, it all me. away. I, why, why would he lose? Right. You know, you ain't got nothing. You got nothing else to lose. And, 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 and if you – you know, when when you're fighting against a committed opponent, then you know it's it's kind of like the it's kind of like the statement in The Godfather when the uh, in Godfather Two when when the Cubans were were going to take over Castro's Cubans were going to take over and they're like, you know, this army is unpaid and they're having success and they're because they're committed and and so you're you're fighting you know when you're fighting against the committed. It's a very, very, you know, as, as as Rob says, a leap of faith. You know, you, when you're fighting against committed people, that that becomes that becomes pretty rough. So we'll see how it all plays out. And and as I said, I don't, I don't, uh, I I don't think that I don't think that from a rugby standpoint that much is going to change. Um, I think that from a you know, as you said, maybe from a prestige standpoint, I'm not a I'm not a big one in in terms of prestige and 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 and, and stuff like that. And I don't and I don't you know well, I I mean I don't you know like as, as, you know I I believe in the Bobby Knight adage of 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 uh, education. You know, BS means just what it stands for. MS means for more of the same, and PhD means piled higher and deeper. I mean, to me, I think that. You know, certification means nothing if you're not going to guarantee that the certificate, you know, you're going to get, you know, like USA Rugby certifies level three rugby coaches and, you know, people certify doctors and people certify lawyers. Nobody certifies competence. Education and certification are two different things. So, like, prestige to me means nothing. Like, that, that, that's, that's, you know, what, what somebody else thinks is essentially irrelevant. Actually, I'd be interested to hear what Rob's take on this is. As a as a as a team who was not a varsity team, who had you know did not have nearly the resources, although you did coach in an academy, and who was able to uh, unseat Cal as champions after quite a long time. I think it was probably almost a decade. Well, in the, in the last twenty years, three coaches have won a national college championship, and Rob's one of them. Yeah, what do you think, Rob? Well, this is a delicate situation as a ex-Stanford man and Cal being our, our rivals, um, and and certainly having I have a lot of respect for what Cal's been able to um, accomplish and the varsity status. Um, but to be quite honest, I can't believe it's taken this long for this to happen. I mean, um, 
you know, Title IX has devastated, uh, you know, wrestling programs across the country um, for many, many years. And, and that's, and that's uh, an established NCAA varsity sport, whereas uh, rugby doesn't meet any of those criteria. And, um, and I'm just shocked that it wasn't picked off years ago in the Title IX um, debate. Now, I, I say that um, not as, as uh, speaking out against Title IX, um, just as a realist, um, saying that there was absolutely no way we were ever even going to um, uh, try to achieve varsity status at, uh, in, in my workings with Air Force or Stanford, um, on the men's level, because we just understood that it was, uh, it was just, Title IX would, would prevent it. Now, there was, there was some talk about trying to do it for both, but really the women are, are much more of a, of a better target for varsity status because they can offset, women's numbers can offset football and some of the other men's programs are in existence. So as, as um, I guess that would be my main comment. I can't believe it's taken this long for it to happen. Um, and I think it's sad that it has, and I, and I really feel for the Cal program, um, but at the same time, I, I, as a realist, I, I think that it was destined to happen sooner or later. And um, whether finances, how much they were involved, I mean, I think that's just really, really cloudy in this whole process. Um, but I think from a Title IX perspective, it had to happen sooner or later. Well, uh, one of the aspects of the, the Title IX thing that that uh, uh, Jack Clark brought up was that they had a plan to uh, make varsity the women's uh, program, and 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 they were rebuffed. Um, I I, th I think uh, a devil's advocate on that level would say, uh, did you try hard enough? Because um, you know that that certainly seems to be the track, right, uh, Rob? As you're saying, that women's rugby uh, has a better chance, a much better chance, because of the time Title IX equity of uh, gender equity issues. Yes, exactly. It's, you know, because you got to remember that every single program is fighting uphill to make to, to reach gender equity because of the 85 scholarships or, or whatever it is in football. So no matter what, you know, and, and, and there are allowances for that in the Title IX uh, rulings. But no matter what, if you are as, an, as a university are trying to achieve gender equity, you're 85 in the hole because there's nothing offsetting. Um, football right from the start, and there's no there's no women's football. So if you got soccer, that's a wash, right? You got softball and baseball, that's a wash essentially. Um, you know when you have men's women's soccer and and women's softball, men's baseball, you've got all these sports that are a wash. Basketball's a wash, men's basketball, women's basketball, but you got football and you got nothing offsetting it, and you got and it's the largest number of scholarships out there. And, and that's why I just think it's just unrealistic for any men's sport. Me as a wrestler, it was unrealistic for us to think we could keep sustaining things. Um, unless we can add an enormous number of women's scholarships. And I think that's just going to get more and more. And it's really, you know, and let's be honest, the NCAA is, is um, you know, has to be about fairness in that regard. I mean, I don't think they have any choice because it's not about... Um, you know, who's producing income for the university. It's about uh, fairness in um, scholarships for students. 
it's and and I think that's where we kind of lose a bit of uh, perspective in this thing. We're not talking about professional sport. All right, we could go on for a long time with that, but we do have to bring the program to a close. Rob Holder, I want to thank you again for your time. You're doing a great thing with the Spearhead Rugby Academy. You can find it online at spearheadrugby.com. Uh, Is that right? Tell me I'm not right there, am I? That's right. No, that's right. Spearheadrugby.com. That's Thanks, right. Thanks, Rob. Great to be on again. Great to speak to you. Uh, Bruce, make sure you cough up the dough. We don't want to send someone around <laughs> to fix you up. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I do want to say uh, one more thing about Title IX. No, and, no, no, we moved and, and, and on. No, no, I'm fair to you. That's it, Bruce. We moved on. Sorry, mate, that's it. All right, Alex, thanks for joining us. I've faded Bruce Thank down. We're not, we can't go a minute longer. I have to go. <laughs> All right, that is Rugger Matrix 35. We'll speak to you next week.